Hello, hello. I am Karen Jean-François, and this is the Women in Data podcast, a podcast where every other week I interview some of the most inspiring women working in data. They discuss how data is used in various industries, share their knowledge and experience in the field, and equip you with tips to help you overcome challenges on your career and feel great. Let's get straight to it. I am joined today by Jenna Zangs, Deputy Chief Data Officer and Director of Institutional Data, Analytics and Reporting at the University of St. Thomas. Jenna is a dear friend of mine, and after chatting with her about the mixed feelings I was having about taking in my previous role, we decided to record an episode together in a field that is constantly evolving and where job hopping is becoming the norm to upskill and get promoted. Jenna chose to stay and grow in her organization. In this conversation, you will hear about the challenges and fears brought by this decision, as well as how Jenna has overcome them. You will find her thoughts on not having enough time, how she stays up to date with the latest tech development, and how she is upskilling herself and her teammates to stay attractive to the market. This conversation is a conversation between friends, and this is definitely my favorite types of episodes, so I hope you enjoy it too. Hi, Jenna. Welcome to the Women in Data podcast. This is long overdue, and I'm super excited to be to be chatting with you today. Yes, thank you so much for having me, and we've been, you know, forming our relationship for a while now, so this is like, yes, perfect timing and with everything going on, so so excited to connect and uh, and share our thoughts on the topic. Yeah, you're right, and our, not that you're saying we've been building our relationship for a while, I, I just remembered how we first connected, so it was Jennifer Agnes who messaged me, she was like, Karen, there is Jenna with whom I think you're going to hit it off. And I was like, okay, put us in touch. I remember our first chat was just, I was like, oh, I wish I was living near her now. <laughs> totally. I mean, we would have coffee all the time, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, we're going to talk about an interesting topic. And I'm saying interesting because when we first connected about it, I was at a completely different place in my life. So I was working at Carlitex and I had no intention of leaving. And now the situation has changed. I actually left a few months ago because I took voluntary redundancy and I've started a new job. But I still want to have this conversation with you because this is a situation where we've both been in so that that is being in the same role or at the same organization for for a while and just talking about how that's worked for us the challenges we've faced how we overcame that and what that has done to our career really could you maybe help us understand how long you've been at your current organization yes so i have been at the university of st thomas now for um, coming up 
just hit nine years actually this month, which is so funny too, that we're, you know, uh, (laughs) doing this recording. So, um, I have been moving around in different positions, uh, at the university, which has been wonderful and pushing myself more in the data sphere. And my current title is the deputy chief data officer and director of what we call the institutional data analytics and reporting. So I help oversee all of the analytics, the data components, data governance, and those wonderful, uh, fun daily activities for the (laughs) university, especially during all of this time of digital transformation. Overall, my career didn't start actually in data. Uh, It should have because I love computers when I was younger. And when I got to college, I just didn't really think about doing that. And so I really wish somebody would have, you know, had a club or pushed me to try something like that because it probably would have changed the trajectory of my earlier career. But, you know, learning more about coding and all of that, that was what really pushed me more in this area um, and, and put me on the career path I'm at now. So my my current role, the other capabilities that we work through are, you know, a lot of foundational data governance, data policy, and getting that off the ground. Is that something that's new to the university and I'm super proud of? And then with the pandemic and all of the changes in careers, you know, retention at the university is very important and in overall. And so we've been um, we've developed this new upskilling program that's called Data Innovators, and it allowed us to uptrain. Um, there's we, the first cohort had uh, 20 individuals, and this one has 10. And so they're all individuals from the university who didn't have data in their background necessarily, but love data and analytics, and they wanted more. So we're able to um, help do that. So that's been really great. But then just, you know, daily grind of uh, data and reporting and making sure that databases are clean and the quality. So a whole array, which is the best part. And so, you know, this topic today about being at the same organization for a while, I think it's so important because especially as people are considering, should I leave? I keep hearing the market has all this opportunity and am I missing something? And I think that's how together we came up with the topic because we just kept feeling like we were missing something maybe or or what's or whatnot. That was definitely the case. Um, all these fear about missing out and not moving as fast as the market and, and all these things. I I love what you said about all these things that you're doing around helping to retain people by upskilling them in data and all these things. So does that mean that you are I guess helping them transition from a non-data role to a data role in the university. Yeah, that's exactly right. We recognize that, you know, people are wanting and trying to do a lot of basic data foundational skills themselves. And then, you know, we we just had more silos being created and the data was inconsistent. And so we, um, you know, put out a call to all employees and just said, who's interested? And we, we were overwhelmed with applications. And um, so then we do a year program where they have a one-on-one mentorship with them. We go through four different modules. And, you know, so that way they get a little touch of everything and they can find where their passion is and then help them grow in that area. And so since we've started... 25% of the people who've gone through have been promoted or reorganized into a data centric role. And then they become our data stewards and connected with our team, which is another, you know, great responsibility and a great thing for their resumes as they're, you know, progressing at the university or beyond. I love that. I really love that because I did have quite a few people in the past telling me, oh, I'm interested into data, but I've never worked in data before. So having the organization you work with supporting you in that transition. uh, So you're kind of learning in a safe space rather than learning into a completely new, new organization. That's really good. 
event. Oh yeah, we're super nerdy as we're learning. I mean, like the <laughs> the images. I feel like my second job could be making memes for data specific because they're all very male oriented. I've noticed, so it would be nice to have some funny girl ones as well. So maybe that'll be like a side hustle in the future. Send them my way. I, I want yeah. to see them. <laughs> you you did mention that you've been uh, at the university for nine years. Mm-hmm. Now, is that normal for you? Is, do you usually stay that long? So previously, uh, before I got to the university, I only stayed in a position maybe every two years. And I, I moved around because it's just so exciting, right? Right when you're <laughs> out of college, there's all this great opportunity. And um, so many people I feel are just, they want to do more and they want to see what they can do before they're kind of set on this path. Now, in higher ed, it's very different because a lot of people stay there. I mean, I'm considered a young person in the terms of careers. I mean, our yearly celebrations are in the 30 and 40 years for people, which I think is a big difference in generations as well as um, both my parents too worked in um, positions for a very, very long, you know, 30 plus years. And and so it's just different. Yeah. Don't start me on that. <laughs> I, I remember so I was the same when I started working more than wanting to explore I feel like my problem was that I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I, I mean, just like you were saying that you wish you had had someone pointing you to data before, I kind of fell into data by chance and I had no clue what I was doing there. So I was just hoping, hoping jobs, trying to find the role that was working for me without really knowing what I was looking for. So that meant that I was moving around less than two years, I have to say, every year or year and a half or so. And my mom, who's been at the same organization for 30 years, actually in the same role, she was going crazy. She was telling me, Karen, you need some stability in your life. Stop changing job every two days. <laughs> and I was like, I am not doing that. I do not like it here. I am out of it. <laughs> and, and that was until I, I joined Cardlytics where things were a bit different. And I was in a role that I liked, although not at the beginning, but over time it became a role that I, I really liked. And my team was amazing. So that definitely helped me stay there. So I stayed five years and a half. But I guess if we could talk a bit about what it means to to stay in a role, because as you said, people who are new to, well, who are just out of university, hopping jobs, trying to try a few things around, uh, but also the industry moves really fast. And I feel like now more and more people tend to move roles when they want to have a, a nice pay rise or when they want to try something new. I know that so often I hear people saying, oh yeah, I've learned this thing, but I can't apply it at work. So does that mean I have to change jobs so that I can apply it? So there, there are loads of things around the pace at which the industry moves and us taking in a role that kinds of clashes sometimes. So I was wondering how you how you live that, um, what you're doing on a daily basis to overcome the challenges that that you have around that. But if we could maybe talk about the fears and challenges that that you have based on the fact that you're staying in your role. Yes. Uh, I mean, you hit on so many good points there of the industry moves so fast, especially in data. There's a new product, there's a new schema, there's a new governance platform or foundational knowledge that you should be having now. Um, and by staying in the current role, I, I feel like those skills and those tools are not always accessible in your market. So then 
you know, when you see them on future job applications, you aren't even, you haven't even had an opportunity to see what that really does or the capabilities. So definitely feeling like I'm not progressing as fast as others when I'm staying in the same position is a big fear. And we try and talk about that on my team and saying like, what are the big tools and how can we get in there? But like, I feel like it's so easy to be left behind, especially when you're in that that rhythm and you just are focused on the projects you have there, but not paying attention and being disconnected from um, from conferences or from others. And with COVID and not having some of those, you know, it's kind of had a little pause here on terms of things have progressed significantly, but maybe a bit more siloed and and we haven't even had the the energy necessarily to put forth as much as maybe we did before. Um, and then I think another fear I have is just being too specialized in this area. So um, I've, I've talked to a few other mentors and great sponsors and, you know, expressed my fear of I'm only going to be narrowed into higher ed going in the future, right? Something that or, or whatever industry you're in, maybe just retail, or if it's something in um, even more niche in, in governance or government or anything like that. So it's once you become great in these skills, every area has a, you know, a set of tools that's typically utilized. And so breaking out of that after a while is a big fear I have. Yeah, I, I guess we all have these limiting beliefs where we're like, oh, because of these, this is going to happen. But it's all in, in our head. Well, not always all in our head, but I do feel like sometimes we do make it much more of a big deal than, than it actually is. So do you feel like the market would be like that? So the market would be saying, oh, you've only worked in this area. So this is where you're going to stay forever. Or do you feel like it, it's potentially you raising these fears, but it's going to be easy-ish to move? That is a really good question, um, considering that for the first time at the moment. Some of the feedback that I've gotten from you know, others I've, I've talked to outside of the market, they've been able to utilize the specialties I have in the market, like a university has technically, you know, multiple schools and a board plus departments. So you could say, you know, I, I have to serve lots of different viewpoints, right? So that's something niche to maybe a university component or higher ed component where another industry might have something a little different that you can make applicable to another area. So I think um, in my head, it, it's easy to get there and say, oh my gosh, no one's going to understand, you know, what higher ed does, but maybe um, their industry has something else and they aren't going to look at me as applicable or I can't move over. And I, we all probably make it a little bit bigger in our head just because we don't want to miss opportunity, right? <laughs> this is the whole purpose. And so, um, but yeah, that's a good question. I, have you ever, I mean, felt that way too? Like, I think, yeah, definitely. So, I, I mean, me being me, I'm always like, dramatizing things <laughs> and especially because depending on who you speak with as a mentor so you know different people would have different experience in their careers and which is why I do believe that it's, imp it's important to have more than one mentor so you can have different perspective obviously not too many because after that you get lost in the noise but yes. I so I've had people telling me in the past you need to specialize as fast as possible because later on it's going to be hard to get into the field you want to be in and at that time I was thinking but I don't know what field I want to be in so how do I specialize and if I go and specialize does that mean that I'm missing out on 
great friend somewhere else. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so that caused a bit of trouble. But what I've noticed is I was thinking, okay, I will just go with the flow. I, I have to admit that I wish I was at the beginning of my career a bit more intentional in seeking out what it is that I want to do, trying to understand these things better rather than being all over the place and going with the flow. Now I'm doing a bit more of that. But in terms of changing field or changing careers, I... I'm a big fan of a podcast called Squiggly Careers Podcast in the UK. And they talk all about, you know, the fact that careers are not ladder-like anymore and that you have to experiment and try, try different things. And you can do that within your organization if, if they allow it. And I feel like now I take a more experimental approach to things and then try to talk to as many people as possible and this reduced a bit my fear of feeling inadequate or feeling like I don't have enough industry knowledge when I go into a role. So when I did my interviews with Monzo, for example, something that that I felt was great was that everyone I spoke with in the data team didn't come from banking. (laughs) And I was like, okay, great. So I don't come from banking. I did work with banks at Carditex, but not in banking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, okay, great. So they're hiring outside of the, the banking industry. So that's good. So I feel like, and it's, it works also for diversity. You know, now I feel companies are more likely to see the benefit in hiring someone who has different experience. I'm not sure that answers the question, but <laughs> I feel like that's reduced my fear a bit on mm-hmm. that. Yes. Well, and just we were chatting before this, right? I mean, most of us that are pushing ourselves in our area, we've never not accomplished something we've put out. And when we recognize that it's a bigger challenge than maybe we thought, then we either hit it head on or we move on, you know, and figure out this really isn't what I wanted. So, you know, it's not like you have to be set in stone. And I think the fear of change in general is, uh, you know, a big component of this too. If you find yourself in this rut of, just like always saying, I never have enough time to do these things. Well, then you're not going to change. And my mom always tells me, she goes, when someone has truly had enough of something, that's when they're going to take the action to change. So if you're in the same grind, you might just not have had enough time, you know, succeeding or or finishing the things you put out to do. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, So we spoke a bit about the challenges and fears and how we, how we see things, but I guess maybe could you share how you're making it work? So you mentioned among the challenges that you're having is being left out um, by the industry that moves at pace. Uh, also not having experience outside of the field you're in right now and not being able to train or learn the new tools that are out there. So how do you deal with that uh, to make sure that, first of all, these potential imposter syndrome stays in check and doesn't take over, but also to ensure that you're on top of things and that the day you decide, if you ever decide to move on, you will be employable, but also for yourself feeling satisfied because, I mean, let's face it, we're kind of the same from that perspective. If we're not learning, we get bored and and then bad things happen. Um, So how do you deal with all that? Yeah, I 
I think the things that I've learned over the last nine years is you can't wait for somebody else to teach you what you want to know. I mean, you, your company is invested in you, but I, I feel that, um, in, in the other markets that I've been associated with or groups that I've been associated with that, you know, they'll put to a certain point, but they don't know exactly what your goals are. So if you don't have priorities set or goals set, you know, you don't even know where you're going first. So I would say that's even <laughs> number one. Um, make sure you kind of have an idea of what that dream might be and what you're working every day right now towards. And then once you figure that out, just start, you know, asking your your supervisor, can we get a demo on this so we can understand what's out there? You know, I, I don't think that your uh your employer is going to mind if you want to explore what if we're utilizing the best option. Now, I'm not saying that everyone can go out there and buy new products, nor should you, but at least you understand, you know, what is out there. And maybe it's something that they have new um, openings for, for uh, open source. So you could try and do that on your off time and, and, you know, truly dedicate at least 30 minutes of the time to your craft. Cause that's what we're doing is we are, we are, you know, pushing ourselves in this and making sure that, I recognize when I'm comfortable and I'm too comfortable and not getting set in that because I think that's just the biggest thing is to feel comfortable and realize you're not being pushed and then get burnt out and feel stressed. Um, and so even 15 minutes a day where you just block everything out and say, this is for me and this is what I'm going to learn because it's probably going to turn into 30 minutes or probably a little bit longer because we all like learning and everything and, you know, just... Don't wait for your employer to do it. Um, we, my team, we don't talk about just what it needs to move up. You know, in our company, we talk about what it needs to move up in the industry. So we look at the bigger picture and we, we try and make that happen ourselves. And so hopefully, you know, you have a really good mentor or sponsor who can also help push you in that way since they've lived through it and, and making sure you're connecting with others, just like we're doing today. And yeah. you're listening to the podcast, they're trying to push themselves and hear other opinions and that's, you know, going to be uh, a big thing. And the other great piece that I, I think is uh, a good recommitment is if you should always be interviewing. I know this kind of sounds like a crazy and I, I mean this the most respect to people who are trying to find recruits, but it the questions and that, that they ask you, you know, will be influential into what you are trying to, um, to get to or what skills you may be lacking. And then you recommit the position you're at. I mean, I've had to straight out tell, um, previous bosses at the university, you know, please don't make me leave. Like I want this opportunity, you know, push them more because that's only going to get you recognized, um, further. And then you recommit to the place you're at. Uh, and so that allows you to make sure you have the connection just as much as they have the connection to you. Yeah, and it's not the first time I hear this thing about being always interviewing. And I have to say, this is something I've been terrible at. Uh, so I I can't remember when I heard it first. I think maybe it was like four years ago. I was listening to a pod. No, it wasn't a podcast. I spoke with someone and they said, yeah, so interviewing um, from time to time is quite important because it shows also, it helps with a bit of confidence, right? So yes. it shows what value, your value on the market. You can, as you said, learn what kind of questions they're asking. So you can see what are the skills that are required at the moment. So stay up to date with, with that. But it's so hard to actually follow through and, act and do it. <laughs> um, 
although I spend a lot of time speaking with people on the podcast and doing interviews and things like that, being interviewed myself for a job is extremely stressful. So I tend to put it on the back burner. (laughs) I see the benefits, but I can guess that it's kind of difficult to do. So did you find it difficult or is it just like because you're doing it from time to time, you don't, you just don't lose the habit? Oh, no, it was definitely difficult, especially when you don't have time. And I have a three-year-old toddler who is around all the time, right? So um, the first challenge was just even getting your resume updated because I'll be honest, I mean, it took a, a long time just to get that and understand the best language to put out there. And so that way, you know, if there's something that you say like, okay, that's a future job I'm looking for. You can throw your name out there and you'll see, do I get a bite? Do I get nothing? Um, and then kind of figure out where you're landing in the market on your current skills and where do I need to push myself more? Um, but yes, the time you need to dedicate that time. Yeah. And now that you're talking about resume, I'm thinking this is a perfect way of doing it because you're basically interviewing without the pressure of needing a job or wanting for a job. So that means that you can practice your answers to some questions and also change your resume accordingly so that when you actually go out there and look for for a job, you're at a better place. I like that. Yes. Yeah. Earlier, you mentioned something about um, have an idea of what that dream is. So you mentioned knowing your goals because um, you can't wait for other people to, <laughs> to tell you what to learn or help you learn things. This is something that now I figured it out, um, I think, <laughs> you never know. But this is something I struggled with a lot early in my career. So it's really understanding that goal, what it is that I'm trying to achieve in data. What's my space in data? Where do I want to be? Do you have any advice for maybe people who are early in their career or people who are established but are still struggling to understand what their space is and what it is that they're trying to do? So because data changes so often, um, I think you just have to follow what sets your soul on fire. Like I I know this sounds so cliche of what they say, um, where it doesn't feel like work, but I can honestly tell you the things I'm doing don't feel like work. Like it just is so fun and you should just love that. And if you're not feeling that, then start to explore. Like even if you're in a meeting, you hear someone say it, like just take 15 minutes to yourself and look (laughs) that up and be like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And then start pursuing that path. Um, I, I wish I would have done that more earlier. And even just now, like I, I have loved data science, but this whole data governance, you know, explosion that's happening, that is setting my soul on fire. <laughs> and so I am putting, you know, all this energy and that's, you only have so much time in a day. And so just don't waste a minute of it. I mean, don't sit there and drown on some report that you've been working on for days and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I have another one to write. You know, try and get yourself out of that hole a bit and, and figure out, because it won't always be one dream. That's the beauty of it. You get to, you know, get to that and then you get to create a new dream and you should have multiple um, because otherwise you could get to the end and realize it wasn't what you thought. And then, you know, maybe you wasted 20 years on it or something like that. So that would yeah, be my advice. Definitely. Thank you for, for sharing that. And to close the episode, could you share with us um, some resources that you read, listen to or watch that help you in your career and personal development? 
Well, first and foremost, definitely the women in data podcasts that we're on right now. I just obsess. I love seeing all of the updates and I love all the amazing women that and, and that we learn from. And I've learned a lot. So thank you so much for, you know, pushing the industry forward in that. And in addition uh, to the, to that podcast, um, my favorite book is The Invisible Women, Data Bias in the World. Um, and I, I hope, um, I don't uh, butcher her last name, but um, Carolyn... Criado Perez. Um, but this, this book like changed my life, I feel like. And, um, the, the thing I got from it was, uh, to make sure that data allows voices to be heard and voices to be ignored. And so I think that has changed the way that I've come at my work every day. And then audiobooks, um, I'm listening to the 5 a.m. club right now where it talks about getting up at, um, Really, I'm a morning person. So for anyone who is, this is the book for you. It got, it's, it's a little long in certain places, but it's to take one hour to master your craft and like make the most of your day and yourself as a whole being. And it's, it's definitely working. I would say that. So you can join me anytime at 5 a.m. <laughs> and we can, you know, rule the day with it is what they say in the book. I have to say that in your area of the world, it's probably easier to wake up at five than in Europe. Um, yeah. I'm only saying that by experience uh so when i was living back home in the caribbean so i think we're around the same line i was up at five every single day full of full of energy here it's really hard i found uh but then every time i'm back home i'm up at five again and i'm thinking this is so weird but yeah well thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and and sharing all your knowledge and experience Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And this was so fun. So thank you. It was. Thank you for listening to the Women in Data podcast. We will be back in a couple of weeks with a new guest. Until then, if you have two minutes, it would be great if you could leave us a rating or a review, as it helps not only to make the podcast more visible, but also to enhance the content. If you don't want to miss the next episode, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We are also on LinkedIn. And if you wish to, you can even register to the community for free. All you have to do is head to womenindata.co.uk. Have a great day.